0: Nashing I
1: and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I can't believe it. We are already at the halfway point of Season 3. I suppose time really does fly when you're having fun. Or perhaps a mysterious large bird made a chunk of it disappear. I have a great show lined up for you this evening. I don't often get to do a themed show, but I managed to put one together tonight. So without further hesitation, let's get at it. It's no mystery that a majority of my listeners are based here in the US. But make no mistake, there are thousands of listeners tuning in from the far reaches of the globe. Of course, I have listeners from the UK, Canada, Australia, and even Sweden. But I also have folks tuning in from far-off lands. At least, far off to me. I'm speaking, of course, of my listeners in Uganda, Fiji, Cyprus, and even Iceland. So on this episode, I'm going to pay tribute to my foreign friends by playing stories from beyond our shores. So to kick things off... Here is Rachel's story from Sydney, Australia.
2: Hi, my name's Rachel. I'm calling from Sydney, Australia. I'm a long time listener of your show. I just wanted to call in and tell you a quick story. Um, I've got a few stories to tell, but I thought I'd start off by telling you this one. Um, So I used to work at the markets when I was 15 years old. And there was a lady who I used to work with. And she had this really strange kind of spiritual feeling about her. You know when you meet those people and they just give off this aura of, I don't know, spiritual energy. I can't describe it. But you just know that they've had a few ghostly experiences. This is exactly what this lady was like. And so we were preparing I think I can't even remember, burgers or whatever it was in this meal van and it was 3am in the morning, it was quite dark and it was raining outside just to set the scene of this horrific story which still gives me nightmares to this day. And um, when she was there, she said, look, you know, I don't know if you believe in this but um, I want to tell you this story that I experienced when I was eight years old. And um, she started telling me about how she had a brother who was at university up in northern Queensland and her and her mother decided to go up and visit him at university in his dorm and when she arrived there she got this really awful feeling about the dorm and she felt really unsafe and she actually asked her mum if they could stay elsewhere the mother said don't be silly you know everything's okay Um, there's nothing wrong with this place and her brother did say, and she didn't know if he was trying to freak her out, you know, how older brothers do that, but he did say, Look, oh, you know, there's just weird things that happen in this dormitory. You know, it's just things move around. It's just got this really odd feeling about it. Anyway, so that night she goes to sleep. So she's sharing the double bed with her mum, and her brother's sleeping on the ground. And she wakes up in the middle of the night, and the ensuite in the bedroom has the has a door that's slightly ajar and she sees these two red eyes staring back at her and she quickly closes her eyes as a reaction as i would too and she hears a swoosh come up to her and she opens her eyes again and these two red eyes are directly in front of her face and as she goes to scream, her she says that this creature pulls back its arm or whatever it was and strikes her across the face. And she's screaming, her mum wakes up, and, you know, her mum sees her and she's got these scratch marks down her face and they're bleeding. So they rush her to ED, you know, thinking that, you know, something happened during the night. And her mum actually did had a feeling, but she didn't want to say anything about it and she dismissed it as being silly and not really believing that there were there was a ghost in that area or whatever it was and when they went to the ED so the emergency department and the doctor there was actually quite taken aback because she had these scratch marks but it was seared into her skin So what actually happened was he put in a domestic violence claim because he suspected that there was more to this story. But, you know, it was disproven and it was found that there wasn't a history of that. And, you know, to this day, you could actually see. So she pulled to the side of her face because she's got this fringe and she pulled it back and, no joke, she's 35 now or was 35 And she still had this line down her face, these two lines, slightly raised, where you could see a scratch mark running down her face. And I think that right there is what really creeped me out. I mean, the story's creepy enough, but the fact that there was physical evidence was particularly scary for me at the time. And she did go on to say that, you know, she's experienced a lot of freaky things over a lifetime and that she is a conduit for spirits and demonic forces, and she's learned to accept it in her later life and actually work with it in her later life. But um, when she was a lot younger, it was really difficult, difficult to control. So just thought I'd tell you this story, see what you think about it, and love your show. Thank you so much. I hope to call in with my own experiences soon. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Many people may not realize this, but there have been hundreds, if not thousands, of reports detailing physical damage inflicted by a supposed spirit or ghost. Oftentimes, these signs of attack manifest in scratches or welts, sometimes even drawing blood. If you'd like to see some examples of some of these rare cases, hit up the show notes for this episode on the show's webpage. Thank you again, Rachel. For our next story, we make our way across the globe to the South American country of Brazil. This is George's Eerie Encounter. Hey, George here. I'm originally from South Brazil, but I have lived in Maryland for almost five years. This happened to me about ten years ago, when I lived in the capital of our state, which was not a huge city, but not small either. My house was right up against a mountain that was situated inside the city itself. There are no forests around this area or something big to hide in, but to the south of the city, the country turns into fields that go all the way up to Argentina and Uruguay. This particular night, I was in the living room watching TV around 3 a.m., and my brother was in his room at the back of the house sleeping. The house sits on a slope, so on the right side of the house, we have a kitchen door that is about six feet off the ground, with some steps going down to a patio and all around the house there was gravel. I should mention that there are three other houses on the property. My uncle's house sits on the left, and my grandfather's house sits on the right, and there's a path in between the houses some 20 or 30 meters. So this night, my mom wasn't home, and all was very silent. I had the TV super low to not wake up my brother, and at this time I started to hear the dogs in the neighborhood going crazy way down the road and the noise was moving my direction as if something was walking the streets and pissing all the dogs off as it passed. This came all the way to our property, then the dogs stopped. I should mention that the property was big, so the road was quite a ways from our house. Now, at this point, I was paying attention to what was going on because we had thieves going around. After a few moments, I heard footsteps on the gravel coming from around the corner and walking between my house and my grandfather's house. They were bipedal footsteps, and I have no doubt about that. I was sure it was human, but it was very slow and very heavy. It walked until it stood right in front of our kitchen door and then started to growl. I was in the living room about 20 meters from that door, and I could feel the growl inside my chest, like many people report. This was no dog or human growling. Imagine a 400-pound wolf growling ferociously, and you might have an idea of how loud and deep this was. At this point I was standing there not knowing what to do. I didn't know what could make that sound and walk on two legs. Then it turned its head and growled toward the door. I could tell by the direction of the sound that it was looking at the door, and its head was level with it. This door was six feet off the ground. I could hear the shuffling of feet on the gravel outside during all of this, then all of a sudden. It took off running to the front of the house, and when it reached the road, I could hear the dogs bark at it again. I went to my brother's room, and he was sitting on the bed wide awake. The growl was so loud that it woke him up. He doesn't like to talk about it. We don't know what it was, and I'm sure it wasn't a man. We have big dogs, but none can growl like that, or run on two legs. And We don't have big predators in Brazil, other than the Jaguar, which is way up in the Amazon. The biggest canine we have in Brazil is the maned wolf, but they don't sound like that, and they live far from South Brazil. There are lots of werewolf stories in Brazil, and a few around my area too, so was it a dogman or a werewolf? I don't know, but it fits the bill. Thanks, love the podcast, and I'll send some more stories later. George. Thank you, George. Of course, with... An encounter like that that is mostly just sound, it is really difficult to pin down what you're actually listening to. But you are correct, there are a lot of werewolf and dogman encounters coming out of Brazil. Thanks again for sharing your story. Like a map in an Indiana Jones movie, we venture north and slightly east to the Scottish Highlands. Here is Kay's call from his days living in Scotland.
3: Hey, this is Kay again. Um, I hadn't heard your call for more uh, more stories and, um, on the last episode. And uh, I had one that I was kind of debating putting up just because it's not, like, incredibly big. But, um, but so when I... Uh, about a year ago, I was living in Sterling, Scotland, um, and uh, just doing a study abroad program there. And whenever I uh, and I went and I visited the castle and, um, you know, the castle, it's this ancient, you know, very beautiful, uh, castle. Um, uh, and it has like a few different layers. There's like some layers that were built in, uh, you uh, know, fairly sort of recently. And then there's some that were considerably older. Um, and so, you know, of course I'm a tourist kind of person. So I wanted to take a look at the castle. Uh, so I checked out the, uh, I, I went around and you know i uh found there was this you know there's this beautiful cemetery, just all like uh lots and lots of old gravestones and stuff, and so you know and it it was during you know like right before the sun really went down, so it was a bit creepy but not terrifying um and so i um so nothing really happened there except for just occasionally getting the weird feeling, but I mean that's just walking through a grave uh graveyard honestly. Um, and then later on I went through, uh, and there's this, uh, there's a few layers of battlements and stuff, um, and next to the gatehouse, uh, there's this one, uh, there's one tower kind of parapet thing that didn't really have any, uh, didn't really have like any signs on it or anything. It wasn't really well marked, um, and it had this very narrow stairway leading down and so i wanted to explore as much as i could because i paid you know 15 pounds or so to get in so i wanted to kind of enjoy it and explore it uh and so i went down into this thing and it was this very collapsed uh collapsed sort of room um there was a faint faint light uh they installed some point um and around this time the sun was going down um and uh you could hear the like, uh, chatter of people outside just kind of echoing through the, uh, through the stairway down to you. Um, and so I was thinking like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is really cool. It's kind of creepy, but you know, I like creepy stuff. Um, and, uh, so I get my phone out to take some pictures and I made sure it was nice and charged beforehand. And, uh, I bring up my camera And then, uh, and then like my phone dies and it still had like 60, 70% charge left to it. Um, and at the same time I start to hear, it's something that's not quite the same as the chatter from outside. It sounds like it's coming from inside of this collapsed room and it's very small and very cramped. Um, and it's just this faint whispering noise. Um, and so I, I, for a moment, I kind of tried to investigate it a bit more, but it, as I got closer, they kind of picked up in pace. Uh, you know, like, it went from, like, a slow whisper to just, like, just a... Uh, sorry, that was a bad sound effect. And, uh, yeah, so after that, I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to head home. Uh, that's, that's enough for me. That's creepy enough. Uh, and so I kind of got out of there, and uh, when I got back out, I turned my phone back on, and it had... Uh, 50% charge uh, all of a sudden Um, and so I just thought that was kind of an interesting sort of creepy thing I know uh, there are some ghosts reported in the Sterling Castle Uh, I'm kind of bummed because I didn't get a chance to see any but I definitely think I heard some Um, so yeah so that's uh, just a little story about whenever I was exploring a castle Um, maybe have some ghosts alright well thanks again for the podcast bye
1: Thank you, as always, Kay. The castle he was referring to, Stirling Castle, was built in the 12th century, although a majority of the structure still standing today was built in the late 15th century by King James IV, King James V, and King James VI of Scotland. Anyone familiar with the castle and its grounds will tell you it's laden with ghost stories. Most notably, perhaps, is the legend of the Pink Lady.
2: Stirling Castle has long been the home to many of the kings and queens of Scotland, and death has never been far away. One of the most famous ghost stories is that of the Pink Lady. It's said she was a pretty noblewoman who was engaged to one of the brave knights stationed there. During an English siege in 1304, the knights starved to death and the Pink Lady in turn died. Not because she starved to death, but from a broken heart. People still say that her spirit roams the castle waiting for their souls to be entwined once more. Others claim that the Pink Lady was actually a victim of grave robbers, who sold her body to educated men to be dissected. It's said that while the robbers were brought to justice, her ghost is still searching for her remains. Which story do you think is true? Did she die of a broken heart? Or was she the victim of grave robbers who sold her body to be dissected?
1: The previous clip was provided by YouTube user Trivia Trifle. One of these days, I'm going to make it over the pond to check out some of these awesome locations. It's simply amazing. Thanks again, Kay. Up next is another story about the mystery black cats, and some insight on these mysterious large bird sightings that have been featured on the last few episodes. This is Sam's Call from the UK.
0: Derek, long-time listener here from the UK, first time sending anything in, appreciating the fantastic platform you've created for these experiences, I felt it was high time I attempted to contribute. First of all, I'd like to speak with regards to a couple of recent stories you've had involving bird and missing time. The accounts stirred a memory of similar stories I'd previously heard or read, and I've done a little bit of investigating and see it's on the internet for everyone else to look at, and whether it's connected or not, it might give those callers some lines of inquiry, These relate to experiences with large, unnatural owls in particular, and how they are synonymous with the alien abduction phenomena. I don't know too much about the idea, however, it would appear that some of those investigating this phenomena find those that claim abductee have regularly claimed stories of strange owl sightings which will only strike them as such after the fact. Parts of these stories will relay that they are unnaturally large, or maybe that they are in unusual places, such as staring at them through a screen door at their home. The idea developed behind this is that they have come to understand these sightings as screen memories, and by that, I mean memories which have been placed there to obscure the reality of what they had actually seen. In this respect, whilst these alien beings did not possess the ability to wipe their minds clean of the induction, they can warp these experiences into something more acceptable to their minds. The missing time of your previous callers, in this respect, would be that time which they spent with whatever it was. I don't know enough about the idea to continue further, how well felt it bore some relation to the recent caller's story. It's obviously quite a dive into the paranormal, also, however, I felt it an unnerving, yet entertaining idea that you might like to feature. My second reason for calling was to follow up on the interest you might have expressed in the large cat phenomenon. I haven't always lived in the big city and have a story originating from my original home in a pretty rural location which might pique your interest. So I used to have a friend who lived on a farm as a child and I would often visit to hang around the land. And i proceed this with a story about the night before I head over there for a day. I was in my nearby home when I woke to the sound of heavy purring which I could hear from my second story window. I didn't rise to take a look, however, shortly after there was what sounded like every bird in the immediate area taking flight and shrieking. It was quite strange, and I will say that growing up I have had sleep paralysis, and maybe this was some early indication of that, although I don't have much auditory hallucinations, more seeing things. Anyway, I'll continue with what happened the next day. Once I headed over to the farm the next day, there was more evidence that something strange was going on. Upon greeting me, my friend and his parents immediately took me to the side of their house and showed me a large footprint which had appeared overnight in the mud. It was certainly that of a large cat and one wouldn't find this out of place on a farm. However, this one was big, much larger a domesticated animal. It was also clear the imprint that you'd expect something of some weight to have left it there as it pushed it down into the mud. In addition to this, they showed me where something had visited a truck full of feed that they kept for the animals. The back of the truck was slightly open in that something could have got in. However, the evidence came where it had jumped back out. The floor below the truck was made up of large stones that covered the area as a surface gravel. The stones were not small enough that they could be pushed around easily. And where something had jumped out, you could see clearly where two legs had gone down like that of a cat and they had pushed all these stones into sizable piles. I can't think of any other animal in the UK, let alone in my local area, which could have left these signs of a creature having been there. It's certainly better evidence than what happened to me the night before, saying as it was there for everyone to see. And it wouldn't be the first time that somebody in the area had said they'd seen something. I know that people on farms around the area had also said that they'd actually seen big black cats. Either way, I thought you'd find it very interesting. And my belief is that these cats are probably out there. I know there's stories from the UK back in the maybe 60s, 70s, where people used to keep these things in their houses or in cages. And when it became illegal to do so, they just let them out into the wild. And who knows, maybe some of them are still hanging around there to this day. I'll finish up there, although I do have a ghost story from my youth I will probably call back with in a short while. I'll have to get my thoughts together and submit it for you to tell everyone. Thank you very much for everyone listening to this story. Keep up the good work.
1: Thank you, Sam. You are not the only one that's brought the owl-alien connection to my attention. After last week's show, a listener by the name of Corey also suggested a correlation between the two. I will admit that this thought never crossed my mind, but having heard these two gentlemen suggest it, I can't help but think that it makes perfect sense. The theory, probably popularized most by the motion picture The Fourth Kind, has also been put forth by Mike Cleland in his book The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. But perhaps a trip down this rabbit hole is better suited for an episode of its own. So if you have an experience with owls and UFO abduction, please share your story and we will visit this subject again at a later date. Thanks again, Sam. And thank you for the Black Cat information. I'll always find a spot for those stories. For our next story, we make our way south to the country of Greece. This is Shannon's Encounter. I'm a new listener to your podcast, and I love it. I don't have a sighting, but rather an experience that I'd like to share with you that I can't quite explain. I'm an expat living in Rhodes, Greece, and this experience happened in early 2010, shortly after my son was born. My husband and son and I were living with my mother-in-law while our house was being renovated to make room for the new addition to our family. At that time, my son was about two or three months old, and so nighttime feedings were pretty normal. I woke up around 1.30 or 2 a.m. because I heard my son start to get a little fussy, and I knew that he was going to need his bottle soon. I left the bedroom and went to the kitchen to boil some water to get my son's formula ready. While I was waiting for the kettle to boil, I started to have the unmistakable feeling that I was being watched. Not from inside the house, but from outside. There is only one fairly large window in my mother-in-law's kitchen, and it sits just above the kitchen sink and countertops which run along the side of the wall. Instead of curtains, there is a roll down shade that's pulled down every night for privacy. This particular night, the shade had not been pulled all the way down, and there was a gap of about three or four inches from the bottom of the shade to the windowsill. So if someone was standing outside on the patio, they would have been able to see into the kitchen. So I started to have this feeling that I was being watched, and I was going to turn my head toward the window to see if I could see anyone peeping in when I heard a voice tell me, Don't look at the window. Just keep making your son's formula and leave the kitchen as quickly as possible. The voice wasn't an audible voice like you would hear if you or I were talking, but rather a quiet, urging voice in my mind. I decided to take the counsel I'd been given, and as I continued to make my son's bottle, the hairs on my neck and arms started to raise. My eyes started to water, which always happens to me when I'm really creeped out, and from outside the window I heard the most unearthly howl I have ever heard in my life. Needless to say, I hurried out of the kitchen as fast as I could after hearing that, and went back into my bedroom to feed my son. To this day, I still don't know what it was. We live in a very populated area of roads, and not in one of the villages or any of the forested areas to account for any wild animals. There are no wolves, cougars, bears, bobcats, or anything like that here. I have been told that there are foxes on the island, but I don't think the probability of them being inside the city, surrounded by concrete, asphalt, and building upon building is very high. Thanks for taking the time to read about my experience, and I hope it will be useful material to use for your podcast. Also, big thanks for the work and effort you put into making such a fantastically interesting show. It's by far my favorite podcast. Sincerely, Shannon Thank you, Shannon. For those listeners that have tuned in for some of the older episodes, you will know that I spent the last 10 years living in and around downtown Los Angeles. And despite the fact that there was hardly a vacant lot in the country's second largest city, I would routinely see wild coyotes roaming the streets after dark. So, don't underestimate your local fox population. But, that said, like Brazil, Greece is home to many werewolf legends. And, as we all know, Legends have to start somewhere. Thanks again for sharing your story. To cap things off, we stay in the country of Greece. The following is Pete's very strange encounter.
4: Hi, my name is Pete. I recently came across the podcast, and I'm enjoying listening to them. Uh, on my drive to or from work. My experience took place in 2005 whilst on holiday in Greece. Now, I live in a big city in the UK and tend to holiday and beach resorts, so I have hardly any experience in the countryside. The weather was quite poor for the majority of the holiday, but I'm from England, so I actually enjoyed it. I had rented a quad bike, uh, I think you call them ATVs, And on this particular day, my girlfriend wanted to stay in the apartment and relax, so I went out for a ride around. I was really enjoying my trip out, losing myself in the sights. It was around 2 o'clock in the afternoon and the weather was cool. Before I realised it, I had strayed off into a more rural area. The weather had worsened slightly, but was still nice, like a a very refreshing, light, cool rain. Uh, After a while, I had driven out past any familiar surroundings, so I got worried. I started looking for anything I could remember, or any road sign, but as I was concentrating on this I hadn't noticed the tarmac road I was on had run out and changed to a dirt track, and now I was lost. I pulled over off the track. Uh, The area was wooded, but only lightly. The trees were quite far apart, and I could see a fair distance into them. I looked around a while and could see nothing familiar. I was rather worried now as I thought I may have strayed onto private land, so I took my phone out of my backpack. Uh, This was before smartphones were commonplace, so I didn't have sat-nav or anything, just calls and texts. Now, my intention was to ring my girlfriend and explain to her what I had done. Feel foolish, laugh about it and hopefully clear my head a little enough to calm myself before turning around and heading back the way I came. I clicked a button on my phone to read the time, but before I could, I was startled by something out of the corner of my eye. Now, this is where it gets a little strange. This person was literally stood right beside me, but I had not heard their approach. Now, my first thought was, Okay, I'm about to meet the owner of the private land and explain myself. Nope. The only way I can describe this, or liken it to something else, is this. You know when a dog looks at something with curiosity, like a baby or something, but then looks you in the face as if for reassurance? Well, that was like this. I'm gonna say there was a girl stood next to me. Looking at my phone, and when I looked at her, she looked me in the face with a really curious look on hers. Then, a split second later, I thought, "Ah, what the hell?" and jumped back now, there is no doubt in my mind that this was a girl, but I'm saying this mainly because it had really pretty brown human eyes with nice long eyelashes and was up to my chest in height, and I'm five nine but it was not a human girl. It had kind of cute, chubby cheeks and a human-shaped mouth, but the mouth was not that far below the eyes, probably around where the tip of a human's nose would be, but I didn't see a nose. Other than that, it was slim and completely covered in very light brown hair, almost a tan color. And the hair was thick enough that you couldn't see through his skin, but it was also not heavy. The hair on the face was maybe an inch long, If the neck area was longer and shiny. And it also looked thicker, like the neck underneath was thin and longer than human. Anyway, as I jerked back, it ran off. I got back on the quad and just drove forwards. Uh, I realized quick that I needed to go back the way I came, as to not get further loss, uh, so I turned around. Um, on the way, maybe 20 feet from where this happened, she uh, was stood partially covered behind a slim tree, just watching me. Uh, I just carried on going. The strangest thing about this, though, was looking back, none of it felt threatening in the slightest, but it was so unexpected it shook me. Anyway, I drove back toward the main road, got even more lost, eventually found a taxi rang my girlfriend for the hotel name and he agreed to drive back there whilst i followed slowly and when we arrived my girlfriend paid him turns out i was a fair distance away from where i started now i didn't tell my girlfriend about any of this until we got back home a few days later she didn't believe me though and said it was probably a human girl who had some deformity or something but she did believe I had an experience because I was clearly shaken when I got back. Now, the weirdest thing about this whole experience is that it was absolutely not a human being. There was no feeling I was in any danger, and when I think back on it, the whole memory feels very, very dreamlike. I also thought uh, that my reaction was strange. I never thought that I would have reacted as I did. I'm not easily scared and I've been in some dangerous situations and always remained calm and collected. I think what scared me was that I looked first at the eyes, which were a beautiful dark brown, and then the reality around it came into focus and it didn't match, and my brain just blew a fuse. <laughs> I'm surprised by how quick this all happened as well, just a matter of a few seconds. Plus, even though the memory feels dreamlike, I remember vividly how the light rain had collected above the hair or fur. It's like it had been out in the rain for a while, but must have remained relatively still as to not shake it off. It was like the hair had morning dew on top of it. One thing I am glad about, uh, looking back, is that it hadn't touched me. It was so close, but I think physical contact would have totally blew my mind, uh, though I would like to see it again. I have looked online and not found anything similar, so in recap, uh, it was wet weather conditions in Greece, in a lightly wooded area. Uh, The creature was slim, light tan-colored hair or fur, his face was small and round, with no visible nose, human eyes, and, and by that I mean they were forward-facing in the center of the head and had pupils and brown iris and dark lashes, uh, longish-type neck, two arms, didn't get a look at the lower body, um, and it was around maybe four feet tall or so. Well, thank you for taking the time, and keep up the great work.
1: Thank you, Pete, for sharing. Upon hearing your encounter, I immediately thought of the dryads of Greek mythology. Dryads are said to be tree nymphs or elves, protectors of the forest, a very shy and very elusive creature. Descriptions of these beings vary, but almost always depict them as feminine and earthly, either covered in hair, fur, or some sort of plant life, such as vines or leaves. Of course these entities are based in mythology, and genuine sightings of the creatures are few and far between. So perhaps it's something else that you encountered that day. An alien? A spirit? Or perhaps some sort of relic hominid? If any of you listening out there, especially those of you in the Mediterranean, know anything about this creature, please send me a message. Let's help Pete solve this mystery. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. But before I go, let's address a few things. You still have, until the 15th of May, to be eligible for the very first Cryptid Crate. Simply head over to cryptidcrate.com to sign up and to get more details. This first box is shaping up to be quite a bargain, so you certainly do not want to miss out. If you have a story, give the hotline a call at one 888 608 night that's one eight 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 six oh eight six four four four. or you can hit up the website for more submission options that website is www.monstersamonguspodcast.com keep those stories coming and remember no story is too small you never know when they might tie into another story or trigger something yet uncovered on the show Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And while you're on that World Wide Web, get on the podcast app and rate and review the show. A five-star rating and a few kind words go a long way to push the show forward. So if you love the show, help spread the word. Lately, I've been kicking around the idea of designing a brand new t-shirt for the show. But the last thing I want to do is order dozens of shirts only for them to collect dust in my studio. So I want your opinion first. If you're interested in a new Monsters Among Us t-shirt, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram and let me know. If I get enough interest, I'll set all this in motion. I'd like to thank Warren Pon Abbott for his amazing vocal work on today's episode. Show him some love and follow his YouTube channel. A link to that can be found in the show notes on the webpage. Thank you again, Warren. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 19. 86 Thank you all for listening and until next week